Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Could it possibly be, and I know everybody wants to say it, so it must be true, it might be the best time of the year. Because I'm an inclusive person. I like everybody to have a good time. It might be the very best time of the year. The the best thing about the brackets, and I used to be a guy, and I still every now and then... Just because it's like talking about the weather. Hey, how's your bracket doing? Well, my bracket's busted. Well, why is that? Well, you know, I had Marquette going all the way to the Final Four. Well, why'd you have Marquette going all the way to the Final Four? Well, I don't know. I'm just a great big dummy, and I saw Tommy Boy, and I saw Marquette Rugby, and I decided that's why I was going. I understand it can be a little bit much, but it is fun that for at least a weekend, really two days a year, back-to-back Thursday and Friday, We can kind of stop, and I know the Mueller report dropped yesterday, but we can kind of stop with some of the politics. We can kind of stop with some of the other hot takes. And we can just kind of sort of maybe get along. And the tournament makes it inclusive. Doesn't matter if you're a five-year-old kid or Fran Frischella or if you're a stockbroker on Wall Street, or a farmer just outside of Boise, Idaho. It brings us all together. You don't see sports like that. There's just not a lot like that. And the best thing is that you also get to learn. There's so many best things about it, but one of the best things is, is that you get to learn about communities. You get to learn about small schools. Now, I'm not sure if Tom's back in the room yet, but last week we spent time waxing on poetically about Iona. And before a couple of years ago, I didn't know anything about Iona. Didn't care. Find out Joe D goes to Iona. Find out that they make the tournament out of the... And then all of a sudden, hey, nice school. Did Tom go to Iona? I think Tom went to Iona. It was either him or Billy Jack. Billy Jack definitely went to Iona. It was Billy Jack. Billy Jack. Where'd you go, Tom Columbia? That's right. That's right. You're better than me by by every stretch of the imagination. Um, you get to learn about certain schools, certain communities, because when it comes to college football, you know, Clemson, Florida State, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama, Auburn, you kind of sing it like a song. And there's only about 20, 25, 30 schools in there. If you're a big time fan that you really know about and you really get into and you really talk about in college basketball, it's so excellent because everybody seems to have some representation. There's there's a delegate from every corner of the map. So you didn't know about St. Mary's? Buddy, you're going to learn about St. Mary's. You didn't know about Gardner-Webb? Boy, you're going to learn about Gardner-Webb here over the next 20 minutes while you're tuned into this channel before you turn on to the other three. That's what makes it a beauty. That's what makes it more fun. I don't think any other sporting event in America has that. The Super Bowl, everybody watches that, but it's one night. 
there's people who are really into it, and then there's people who just are there for, to watch for the commercials, and then they complain about the commercials, so it's not as much fun as what people thought it would be. And I tell you, every single year, the reason you don't like the commercials is because you go to Twitter and you're outraged, and they didn't spend millions upon millions of dollars for a 30-second spot, so you could be outraged and write on their Facebook and tweet nasty things at them and say that you're boycotting their product. So that's why the commercials have become more and more dull over time. But you don't get that with the Super Bowl. You don't get that with bowl games. You don't get that with the NBA Finals. You certainly don't get that World Series, Stanley Cup Finals. Like There are things that are great. And for a hardcore hockey fan or for a sports fan, hey, Stanley Cup playoffs, that's some really good stuff. If you're just a good sports fan and you might not even be the biggest hockey fan in the world, you want to watch some Stanley Cup playoffs because that's some good stuff. Daytona 500, that's once a year. I'm a NASCAR fan, but I know that not a lot of people are big NASCAR fans. Masters, Kentucky Derby, eh. Masters are great. Kentucky Derby, eh, whatever. College football rivalries, there's some good ones there. Very few things, and I don't think anything, is as, as inclusive as brackets, as the NCAA tournament, as the fun of the opening weekend, those first two days where you get to relax You get your friends together, and if companies do it the right way, then you treat it like you should have done it in school. Now, Tom, you went to public school, did you, or did you go to private school, high school? Public school. You went to public school. Did you guys get to watch the tournament on the opening weekend on TV? No. You guys didn't get to do that? No. I don't understand why everybody – is that a thing? Oh, it's a huge thing. Wow. Now we're on from. I brought this up Thursday morning because we were asking teachers about it, and there were teachers like, yeah, I'll turn it on the TV. Did you guys have cable at your school? I guess. There wasn't a lot of TV watching at school. I would take the days off and sit at home and watch it. See, that's... Tom, that's even worse. Don't you understand? Your your teachers didn't have the imagination of what they should have had. Oh, I I definitely understand that, yeah. Just be... you, You actually took days off because of it? I did. See, that to me, that's a failure. And no offense, where did you grow up again? North of New Jersey, Montville is the town. And the high no offense to the fine people of Montville, New Jersey, but you've wasted, you have wasted a chance. You have wasted a chance to educate the America's youth. Because what you do, and you understand this, Tom, is that at noon, especially in the eastern, the East Coast, now I'm not sure about the West Coast because that's almost an all-day-long type of thing, but on the East Coast, because I went to school in Ohio, you start at noon, the last couple hours of school, because you used to get out of like 2.30, 2.35. You just watch the tournament games. And then if they really wanted to, you could do numbers with it. You could learn how to run numbers with it. And all right, that might be a little bit of a far stretch. But you could do a whole lot of different things with it and have some fun with it. And because it was only two days out of the year anyway, you knew that the kids were going to be trying to pay attention. And now that you have smartphones out there, I don't know why you even bother. I mean, have school, but at least make it an advantage towards you. Tom, you really... Got the boots put to you. You understand that, don't you? Yeah, I do now. I kind of bummed about it. Exactly, exactly. And if you're, do- and I just think if if you're going to do this in America, it needs to be an extension. The smart corporations, and we've seen this a little bit. And I remember asking about this last year. We had a couple of people got in going, "Yeah, our office does it." Now I understand if you work for a, a road department or you're a farmer, you got to do something like that. There's a lot of manual labor jobs. You just can't sit there and watch a tournament. Got it. But if you're in an office environment. What easier way to build team camaraderie, to build leadership, to build bonds than the tournament? It costs you nothing. 
You don't have to charge money. You could do some sort of a giveaway if you want to to make sure everything's legal about that. When you run the tournament, when you run the bracket, and the best part about it, anybody can do it. The new kid out of college who's running coffee, he can do it. The guy at the top of the boardroom, hey, I'm with everybody here. I'm the chairman, but I'm just like you guys. He can do it. Bonnie in accounting can do it. Everybody can do it. Where else do you find something like that? You can't even get that in Super Bowl squares. Nobody's watching it together. Very few people are watching it with coworkers when you watch the Super Bowl. So you do the squares, and then you have to sit home, and you do that math, and then it just becomes, well, I think that woman, Bonnie, in accounting, that's true. She just put the boots to all of us because I know that she rigged it the way that she would do it so she could keep the money. See, that doesn't build chemistry or camaraderie in the workplace. This does. Hey, your bracket's your bracket. What you picked is what you picked. And if your bracket's bust, no big deal. It's a conversation piece. If you're at the best, you get bragging rights. Maybe you get the run of the supply closet. I don't know. But this weekend, above next weekend, above the championship game going into the Masters, this weekend in particular is the best. We've had tight basketball games. We've had a couple of upsets. We've had a couple of fun, which when you're filling out a bracket, nothing's more fun than picking upsets. People who picked Liberty over over Mississippi State yesterday, you absolutely know what it is. But, Tom, are you ready? I'm ready. Hit the music! Tony Bennett saved his ass. If he would have lost to another 16 seed, people would be calling for his job. They say he should have been fired. I think it's a little bit premature. You're going to have to keep that music up. Be ready, Tom, because basically every single bit of analysis I'm going to do, I might do it in the form of song. Are you ready for it? Of course. Make sure you're ready. First off, the question was asked at the end of the first half because it was a tie, it was a six point deficit. I for, I forgot that it was actually tied with UMBC last year. I think a lot of people just assumed that UMBC went out to a big twenty point lead and that was it. It was actually tied against US, UMBC at halftime last year, and I thought just Virginia would run away with it in the second half. It ended up not being that way, but for this year and in the first half with Tony Bennett. There were a couple of hot takes out there, and I'm thinking, man, I know that some people are upset, but I still couldn't condone firing Tony Bennett if they would have lost that game yesterday to Gardner-Webb. It's the second year you're a one seed. It would have been the second year you lost to a 16 seed. It would be absolutely abysmal. When's the last time we talked about Virginia basketball, though? Ralph Sampson? Maybe a couple of years here and there? But ever since Tony Bennett took it over, and there was obviously some building that had to go on a couple of years here and there that were good before this, but you have this nice run. I I don't know why you get away from that, especially in the ACC when you're near the top of the ACC that's historically dominated by, obviously, Tobacco Road and a couple of other schools that bop in here and there. So I'm glad for their sake, because this should be a better team than what they even had last year. I'm glad for their sake, I'm glad for hot takery that I don't have to make that argument that I don't have to talk about any of that type of thing. However, and even though there was tight games and there was good parody, you might be wondering about another man's job. Tom, hit the music! 
Cincinnati lost again. They can't get out the first weekend. People might be wondering about the future of Mick Cronin because his ass is on the hot seat. People in the Queen City are mad. I always preach patience. I always say, hey, patience, patience, patience. And Mick Cronin's got this thing where he walks around like like Johnny Cash in the black suits and things of that nature. When you're known for being out of the first round, and especially with a proud basketball school like Cincinnati is, which if you go down there, it is a fiercely contested area with them, with Xavier. I think Dayton would have a hand in that. Louisville, obviously, across the river has a hand in that. Way down the road is Kentucky, but that's for a different conversation. So you have a contested area. But those fans in that Ohio Valley region, in that Valley region right there, are about as powerful or about as strong-willed as you're ever going to find. So for Cincinnati to fall to Iowa in this opener again when you're still a seven seed, when you still have a lot of things that are supposed to go for you, I know they're not asking for the world. It's not the time of Huggy Bear, and it's been 20 years since Huggy Bear. I got it. But you got to do better than what you've been doing. That school's a basketball school. I know they've been doing better with football lately. I know that they've got a pretty decent future as long as they're able to hold on to what they have with football there. I get it. But that's a basketball school, has been. It's been their, it's been their nicety that they've had in that corner of Ohio for a long, long, long time. Ohio State up the road. They got football. They got the 100,000-seat stadium. They had Archie Griffin. They have Woody. They have Urban. They got the whole thing. Basketball is supposed to be Cincinnati's. And Cincinnati has a high standard. And what's a higher standard? And when you haven't been able to get the job done for a long period of time, it's going to get some people upset. So to have that type of beating that you took yesterday, where you really come out of the gate sluggish, where you really don't play to your very best, and then you have to wonder to the head coach, it's another question of just how far are you going to get over the hump again? How far are you going to take things again? The same thing could be said for Kansas State, even though I give them a little bit of a mulligan because they have an injury there. And then... There was this that happened on Thursday. Tall time hit the music, baby. John Moran might be the number two pick. Nobody looks at Murray State. They can't even find it on a map. I'm serious. We had to pull out a map. We found out it was in Kentucky. I bet you didn't know that. Seriously, I had no idea it was even in Kentucky. And Ja Morant. Keep the music going. Ja Morant. A triple-double. Dismantling Marquette. Send it in, Ja. And now... For those who are at the tippy top of the NBA draft, I know it's Zion and R.J. Barrett was really, really good yesterday, too. I kind of want to run it back, but man, John Morant with the way that the NBA is now, you have a question. You have a question about whether or not, because Duke has not been a great three-point team down the stretch. R.J. Barrett been a little bit up and down down the stretch. I know we don't want to mention Cam Reddish. We don't want to get into any of that. But for John Morant... 
where if you're a basketball maven, if you're a college basketball guy, he's not a kept secret. For a lot of fans out there, it's easy to watch Duke and UNC, and it's easy to watch that game, and it's easy to get into the Big Ten tournament, the ACC, and the SEC tournament. We are a long ways away from John Calipari at Kentucky at Murray State. And I think a lot of people watched that game on Thursday, saw what Ja Morant did on Thursday, and it smacked of Buddy Heald. It smacked of what tournaments have been in the past. And what really brings us to the beauty, the essential beauty of the NCAA tournament is that while John Moran has been a top-five pick since summertime for a lot of people, while John Moran has been that guy, regular folks got to see him because not still they got a million-plus subscribers, I think, with ESPN+. Plus. Not everybody has ESPN+. Plus. I got to see maybe a handful, and I mean a, maybe a handful of John Morant games, and that's just when Anthony Lima called me up to make sure that I would watch John Morant because he absolutely loves the kid. And so I saw a handful of John Morant games. I, I, I'm not, I'm not Phil Jackson over here. What I saw, I thought was good. When you're playing against that conference, it could be a little bit struggle. It could be a bit of a struggle to figure out. Okay, is he really, really good against grown men in the NBA? Will he be able to make that transition, or is he just a puppy with real big paws? And is he able to take over for some of these other guys? That's a question you ask yourself. But back on Thursday, and I know, hey, Marquette is the Big East. Marquette's still a school you know about. Marquette's still a school because of Tommy Boy, because of all this stuff you know about. And to see John Morant and to see Murray State go absolutely bonkers, that was beautiful. A triple-double, everybody talking, and that's what the tournament's supposed to be for. That for the NBA guys, for the basketball guys, they know. The insiders, they know, but not a lot of us are college basketball insiders. A lot of us are watching college basketball maybe last week with the conference tournaments just to get ourselves brushed up. Not all of us have been watching college basketball all year. What he did was so big for himself, for his family, for his brand. That's the fun of the NCAA tournament. The zoom-ins, the zoom-outs, the crowd, the family members, the story, Sister Jean, like last year, that type of stuff, that stuff's fun. But to see a guy like John Morant, who, if you knew, you knew. You knew he was a top-five guy. And people who knew about John Morant, this is their time to brag. It's fun. But for everybody else, oh, my God, I heard about this guy. Look at what he did. Hellacious dunks, great shots, the court vision. Look at the assists. Look how damn good this kid is. You start to root for him. That's the beauty of the NCAA tournament. That's where legends are made. That's where you find a guy where everybody has their mid-major they root for. That's where you circle that one with the green pen and go, there's my team. There's my guys. I like them. The legend of Ale Farouk Manesh lives on. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. It wouldn't be the tournament without some controversy, and we got some coming up next live on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 
So much greatness today. Of course, a lot of people are going to be listening until just about noon Eastern, and then the NCAA tournament will take over. But if you happen to be listening past then, Reed Forgrave going to join us at high noon Eastern, CBS Sports Hoops writer, also GQ, New York Times Magazine. We'll talk uh, college basketball with him coming up at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Five burning questions, 1228 p.m. Eastern, and Matt Williamson. We'll talk NFL with him. Talk a little bit of draft as well, 1 p.m. Eastern, 855-2124-CBS. I want to get to the phones. I'm going to save the controversy for next segment. I want to get to the phones real quick. Mike in Baltimore, you're first up on CBS Sports Radio. Let it ride. Mike, do we got to punch him up, Tom? I'm having problems here. There we go. There we go. Mike, go ahead, baby. Sorry, Kevin. Go ahead. This is John Moran, kid. He's really special. Uh, I like him. Um... How about Virginia, though, coming out just a little bit uh, scared maybe about the, the loss to UMB? Would you have subscribed, Mike, Mike, would you have subscribed to firing him if they would have lost to Gardner-Webb? Uh, I don't know. I'd have definitely thought about it, man. I'm not even going to lie to you because it's a big jump. But for you to lose back-to-back to a 16 seed, uh, because they were looking like they were, they were facing Undertaker on WrestleMania out there. I don't know what was, I don't know what was going on. Uh, luckily, they were able to turn it around in the second half, though. I, I was I, I was blown away by that. Do you think that yeah, there's a comparison? Do you think is there an argument you can make for John Moran over Zion Williamson? Is this what yes, you're I thinking can. here? Go ahead. Absolutely. Um, my friends get on me all the time. I don't think Zion's going to be that good of an NBA player. I just don't. I granted, I don't <sighs> want to see the kid do bad. Uh, I want to see him do really well. I just feel like John Moran's the kid that I'm bringing in. He's gonna he's gonna distribute the ball. Zion can't go to his right. What is that going to do in the NBA? I'm going to sit on his left hand. If you can put up 40 on me, or if you put 40 on my head with your right hand only, hands off to you. But I'm not letting a guy beat me that can't go right. Well, I'll tell you what, Mike. I, he's still a kid. They're both children. And John Moran has one more year of seasoning. Now, I know Jock can go left and right, but you, you got to think Zion's going to be able to develop a way to go right after I, that. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping he can, but even if you look at the play where he, where he hurts his knee, he's going on a, uh, he's going a fake spin right. Only to go back to his left. Luke May is already on his left side. Guys in the NBA are professionals. They're going to pick up on that. So if he wants to be successful in the NBA, he's going to have to use his left hand. Um, I was watching. I'm watching Ja yesterday. I'm at points in the game. I'm like, is this kid left-handed? The way he's able to use both. Wow. Um, I, I just think I think Ja is going to be really good. He's going to be able to come into a franchise uh, and definitely get his guys involved. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited to see where the rest of the tournament's going. Mike, thank you very much for the call. You give me a provocative thought when we come back. Also, it wouldn't be the tournament without a fake controversy or, should I say, a massive overreaction. That coming up next. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. That is CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. And it's brought to you by Geico. Hey, great news. There's a quick way you can save money switch to Geico. Okay, go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Just got a call from Mike in Baltimore. From a business standpoint, and we'll see what Murray State does, but from a business standpoint, I think any owner who, if it's James Dolan, God, if it's James Dolan, it's going to happen. You know that. If it's James Dolan, if it's Phoenix, if it's Cleveland, certainly Cleveland, uh, you're pro- you're just gonna take you're probably gonna take Zion Williamson for the dollars and cents. Is Zion Williamson is a is a happening? It's a it's a thing to be reckoned with. It's something that people want to see. People tuned in to college basketball is when we do the whole martyr thing. A, a Zion Williamson knew what he was getting into. Zion Williamson knew what he was investing in, 
And Zion Williamson made a great investment in himself. The shoe breaking on him, that made it even better because now Nike is basically they're guaranteed they have to try to sign him. You can't let him sign with Adidas or New Balance or somebody else and let that be the first thing that they attack and why Zion Williamson signed with them instead of Nike. So it's basically name your price now with Nike, and it probably still would have been that way anyway. It's it's just guaranteed revenue. You'll probably sell out the building for the first half of the season, and he might end up being not as good as what we're making him out to be. There's always that possibility. When Mike in Baltimore says, well, he can't go to his right, he's got problems with doing that. Yeah, but he's also 19, 20 years old. And so over that time, you would think, all right, he's young. He's this physical specimen who's proven, even though he's not the greatest jump shooter in the history of jump shooting. We're not talking about Sam Jones over here, but he's also a guy who's obviously going to be able to develop. And you would think that throughout his body, if he's willing to work against grown men, with grown men, it might not be the second coming of LeBron, but it's going to be something that's going to be pretty fantastic. I don't think you can pass up on him at number one. For the way the NBA is going, for the way basketball is going in general, if Ja's got a shot, and it looks like Ja has a shot, if he can create offense, and it looks like he can create offense, he's already got great floor vision. He already can see every guy around him knowing where they need to go. That's half the battle with young kids. He may end up being the better overall threat, better overall player. But I think when you get an owner involved who's going to look at the bottom line going, what's going to get people to my barn? Is it going to be John Morant or is it going to be Zion Williamson? They're going to take Zion Williamson. Inside, outside play, that whole type of thing, and then just getting people in the arena. I think it's a great argument. I think it's a much deeper argument than what we want to make it out to be. I think two weeks ago or even last week, maybe even three days ago, people were looking at it, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, probably Cam Reddish, probably a couple other guys. Then maybe John Morant comes to somebody's mind and they tell him. Now it's become this argument between Zion Williamson and John Morant, even though R.J. Barrett had a hell of a game the other day. So you mix those three guys in there, and now all of a sudden you have yourself a very nice class. But the Knicks, hey, the Knicks get number one overall. It's Zion Williamson all day long, every single day. There's no way... James Dolan's going to go. You would think James Dolan would go against that, and that's the most I'm going to say his name because I don't want to get sued. You think that he's going to go against that because of who he is? Ain't no way about it. Nobody's that crazy. It's just pure business. Whoever gets the number two pick is getting a hell of a basketball player in either R.J. Barrett or in John Morant. But number one overall is going to be Zion. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. It wouldn't be without controversy. It wouldn't be a tournament without controversy. Because what got brought up Thursday night became a controversy Friday morning. Here's Tom Izzo in his reaction to being asked about yelling at Aaron Henry. Hit it. I get a kick out of you guys. Get after somebody because you're trying to hold them accountable. I don't know what kind of business you're in, but I'll tell you what, if I was ahead of a newspaper and you didn't do your job, you'd be held accountable. That's the way it is. That's Tom Izzo after the game for Michigan State. They'll be playing Minnesota, I think, later on this afternoon. This is a generational argument. What Tom Izzo did on Thursday, I have no problem with. I don't think Tom and I were talking before the show. Tom has no problem with. This is a generational argument, though. And myself, and I will say this as a parent, 
I had to think about this for a moment, and, and just hear me out on it. Because what Tom Izzo did, Tom Izzo didn't physically harm him. Tom Izzo didn't hit him. Tom Izzo didn't choke him. Tom Izzo didn't go after Aaron Henry. Aaron Henry's a young guy. They're in a tournament game. And what he said before that clip is the truth. There's no, hey, that's on me. There's no sorry about that anymore. Everybody's got to play because it's win or die now. So what Tom Izzo wants is for the good of everybody. If they win, they get to go. They get to play more college basketball. If they lose, they got to go home. They got to study some more. Then they got to go through a long summer in all those workouts to have about a week off and then get ready for the next year. So Tom Izzo comes from a good place. But if I dig a little bit deeper, I got a son. He's three and a half. I got another son. He's just over two. I got another son who's coming up out of nowhere. <laughs> He'll be born here in about a month and a half. And I, my head had to click a little bit because I grew up getting yelled at by a high school coach, and I absolutely loved the guy. And he was a hard-ass Bud Kilmer-type figure, not as crazy as Bud Kilmer, not as nasty as Bud Kilmer in the movie, but a hard-ass, beloved Bud Kilmer type of character at the high school that I went to, that the community loved him, that everybody loved him because he was a winner, and I knew at the end of the day and still know nearly 20 years later he wanted what was best for the kids and he wanted what was best for me, and I wasn't even a good football player. And he's the complete opposite of me. Hard-ass, loudmouth, angry. I'm not that angry. I'm not that much of a hard-ass. I'm a loudmouth. There's a difference. And so... I understood, though, that every single time, whether I was in trouble, whether I needed anything, I knew I could rely on him. I knew that he had his best interest at heart for me. I knew that when I was 17 years old. I believe Aaron Henry, and we see the Aaron Henry quotes where he says it's deeper than just player coach. He is a guy who's a mentor to me. He's a father figure to me. We understand that when Aaron Henry says that, I believe what Aaron Henry says. Tom Izzo, I know that there's been criticism in the past, and there has rightfully been criticism in the past. But I do believe Tom Izzo wants what's best for the program, wants what's best for them, and has been doing it long enough where I hopefully won't have to take those words back. I pray I won't have to take those words back. I always have to be a little cynical because it's big-time college basketball, but I pray I won't have to take those words back, and I don't think I will. To my generation, this is perfectly fine. A coach getting in your ass is the way it was and the way it is. However, I think of it differently. I brought up my sons, three and a half, two and a half, about to be born. The only one who's yelled at my sons is me. The only one, and they are still way too young. They don't do anything just out of spite. They don't do anything just as a bleep you to the old man yet. They will. Oh, they will, I'm sure. But they do things as like they want to please you. And sometimes they make mistakes. They're children. They're small. So I haven't experienced this yet. But I did think about something. It's going to be weird. I hope my kids play sports just like I played sports when I was young. I hope they do. It's going to be weird to watch another grown man yell at my son. I think about that. After I saw the Tom Izzo thing, I, 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 was, I, I woke up Friday morning. I said, hey, I have absolutely no problem with it. I was thinking about it last night. I go, man, it's, it's going to be awkward. 
And we all want to know that we have what's best for our son. And we all believe that we have what's the right idea for our children. We always believe that. And we always want to do, quote unquote, what's best for our kids. And when someone else yells at our kids, it feels as if now that there's this challenge to us that maybe we're not doing enough for our own children. And so I, th- I wonder where some of us were now parenting because of social media. And this is, again, this is a deep issue. Because of parenting with social media, you got the mommy groups out there, you got the daddy groups out there. Almost it feels like it's an affront that I haven't done enough for my kid that you're going to yell at my kid. And then I want to protect my kid's feelings. One, it's an affront to me. Second, it's an affront to my child where my kid's perfect. No one yells at my child that way. I have to understand that I was a knucklehead. My kids will be a knucklehead at times. There will not always be times that I'm there, and I'm not going to be in charge of every single bleeping extracurricular activity that they're going to have. Also, when you do have parents out there, and this is the shame part of it, and this is the bad part of it, when you have parents and coaches out there who do see Tom Izzo and don't realize that Tom Izzo has committed his life to the game, committed his life not just to the game, but to young men making them better basketball players, and it could never just be about winning. It has to be about something more. If you're just about winning, if you're just into it for the suits and the Warner Ladder advertisements and, and, and just about trying to get to a national championship, you'll get nothing because players, young ones, people in general, they can always figure you out over time. And if you're not genuine in your love like he has been, if you're not genuine like that, you're not going to make it. They'll find somebody else because they will give up on you. So I believe that Tom Mills has been like that. However, you know it and I know it. There's plenty of people out there. They see Tom Izzo yelling. They see Nick Saban yelling. They have no clue what Tom Izzo and Nick Saban and those guys have committed to their game, committed to their sport, the life's work that's there. That is now culminating with both of these guys as senior citizens with multi-million dollar deals, multi-million dollar contracts, and a world of power. We see that, and we just want to act like that. There is still the emulation, not with kids. We're always afraid, well, our kids are going to see something, and they're going re- to react that way. They see violence on television, they're going to act that way. The same thing's for the parents. You saw the Homer Simpson episode about how he put on the hat to look like Paul Bear Bryant, and then he was cutting everybody. That's an idiot who doesn't know what he's doing, and plenty of people are real-life Homer Simpsons. The thing is, that was a TV show. That's real life. You know that you go through some communities, and there's a t-ball coach or a baseball coach or a football or even a soccer or a basketball coach or whatever. I saw Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight yelled at everybody. Everybody loved Bobby Knight. I'm going to yell at people like Bobby Knight. I saw Tom Izzo yell at everybody. I'm going to do that. I shouldn't question Tom Izzo. I'm not questioning Tom Izzo. What Tom Izzo did was fine. What Dan Hurley did, Bobby Hurley did yesterday, was fine. What the idiot does in the local rec league when mom and dad leave the kid off at practice, that might not be fine. So if there's any concern, it's not with Tom Izzo, and it's not with Bobby Hurley yesterday yelling at the one kid with his arms behind his back. It's not anything like that. Yeah, the optics of it with your players holding you back, that was a little much, I'll give you that. But I don't worry about those guys. They're pros. And yes, I know we've had the Bob Knight incident. I don't think that Tom Izzo has ever struck a person or has choked somebody out or has threatened to choke somebody out during that time. But I have to admit, 
I have to get over myself, one, as a parent, and the second part of it is I do worry that there's coaches out there, especially when it comes to football, who see guys who yell and know that those guys are legendary and they hear the stories of the gut checks or they were putting the gut checks, but they didn't understand of where it came from and the actual work that went into it. That, yes, our livelihoods are in danger here. Your future as a football player, basketball player, baseball player, whatever it might be, is in danger here. We're trying to win. You need to be accountable to your teammates, and there will be times where it can't all be sunshines and roses and flowers and ice cream, and then i got to yell at you. Because some guys do react differently. So for Tom Izzo, there is absolutely no problem out of that. But i got to admit, with the way that some guys are, with the way some coaches are, some of the youth guys out there, that type of coach you might be going the way of the dinosaur. Mike in D.C., you're next up on CBS Sports Radio. you got less than a minute, but go. All right, Kim. Um, no, I agree with you completely with the old Izzo situation. I feel like every kid needs to be coached differently. Um, I remember being called certain names that rhyme with itch back in high school, um, and guys would get themselves together, realize that's not how we're playing. We came out and won the division championship. So it's really, it really caters to the type of player you are. I feel like we're getting too soft. I feel like nobody in America knows the relationship between Tom Izzo and his kids except mm-hmm. Tom Izzo and his kids. So why are we trying to figure out why he's yelling? Maybe he knows what's going on with that kid. That kid's got something going on at home. Maybe this is how I can get my guys fired up. So I feel like we, we need to sit back and, like you said, look at the, the youth coaches because there's a couple of a-holes out here that aren't Tom Izzo and think they can coach like this. I believe it. Now, Mike, I absolutely believe it. I'm not worried about Tom Izzo. I'm not even worried about, hey, Nick Saban, any guy who's in big-time coaching, there's always going to be something in the back of my mind going, what's it going to be about at the end of it? Is it about still continuing to win, leaving your legacy where your legacy is? What's it always going to be about? We see these type of things that happens at least once a year with some coach. There's always going to be some sort of scandal, controversy, some sort of scandal over some scoundrels who are paying somebody or doing something wrong. There's always going to be that. But I really don't question them for when they yell at the players. I just worry about the future where guys, yeah, grown-ups, see that type of thing. 855-2124-CBS. Did Izzo step over the line? That and year 16, it's the biggest for Ben Roethlisberger. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.